0: We'll be doing, uh, I think, a brief overview of Ezekiel uh, 36, 37, 38, and 39. I think that's important to go over Um, because that's one of the prophecies that God gives us about what could be happening right now as we speak, may or may not be. If it is, this is what what it looks like. Um, And if it isn't, this is what it looks like. This is how it'll start someday. So. Um, very important to know those things. And so a, a brief overview, 36 and 37 is God bringing the nation of Israel, prophesying about them coming back into the land from all nations. That's taken place. Uh, 38 and 39 are his, uh, well, it's a war, but more importantly, it's the war that allows God to show his power to the nation of Israel that they might be shaken back to faith. Um, if you go to Israel now, it's it's a very much... <laughs> An unbelieving state, if you can understand that. I mean, it's hard to believe that Israel would not be a religious. Uh, well, they are, but synagogue is not on their forefront of their mind for most of them. Actually, um, it's interesting. Um, and so that thirty-eight and thirty-nine war that begins with Iran, um, Persia, and and so on, and some of the other a couple other uh, friends from the north, Russia, and so on, um, actually provides God the opportunity to be strong on Israel's behalf and, and shakes them up and, and causes them to, to, to lean towards him again and to look towards him. Of course, that would then open up the door for the Great Tribulation, the last seven years for Israel to receive their Messiah. So I'll do a little more in-depth next week, I believe, and uh, we'll plan on that, uh, kind of taking a break from Proverbs and moving into that. So let's uh, before we move any further into this, let's pray. Um, we'll pray for the peace of Israel and for Jerusalem, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about some of the things that are coming up here at Calvary here in the next few days. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the praise and worship we've had, the reminder of being a blessing to others through Operation Christmas Child, and now as we dive into your word, we pray that you'd open our hearts to be receptive to everything you have for us as Solomon tries to steer us into wisdom with our actions, work, or being lazy. Uh, or whether it's our words, whether we're a blessing or a curse to others, and uh, I pray that you just help us to to learn that and, and to receive that and to be changed by it today, in Jesus' name, Amen. Um, some of the things going on today after second service is the potluck, we're having fried chicken. Join us or come back for that if you're interested in doing that. Uh, men's breakfast will be October 21st. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about TPUSA and and everything. Um, and then also the Harvest Party is coming up. But I do have a sign-up sheet out there today. So you can sign up if you want to help for that night. Um, take a shift of anything you want. Just put your name in there and maybe a phone number. And if you're not sure you can make it, don't put your name down. Make sure you know you're going to be there. Uh, sometimes we just plan on you being there and everything's set up. And then sometimes people don't show up and we didn't know. And so if you put your name down, we really expect you to be there to help in that area. So um, So be praying about that before you commit um i think that's it right yeah proverbs 10 solomon moves a little bit changes from the allegory of the woman being wisdom crying out he starts off with telling us how important it is to have wisdom um, moves on to how available wisdom is for all of us and now today he gets some pretty specific things but mainly just telling us that wisdom is righteousness to live a righteous life is wise um it, it, you don't think you'd have to share that, teach that, but you do, because some people believe that being wicked is wise. That's how you get ahead in this world, and that's how you move forward, and that's how you, you get yours is through wickedness, lying, deceit, stealing, whatever, um, and then, and more. Um, Solomon says that's not wise. It's very short-sighted, actually, uh, and he'll try to explain that to us with some specifics here. So verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon a wise son makes, his, makes a, a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the desire of the wicked. God is looking over all of us to perform his word. He gives us specific promises for those that are obedient, for those that believe him. You know, salvation through Jesus Christ comes through belief that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, that's a blessing there. So uh, when I accept that forgiveness, we say the, maybe the wrong words sometimes. I know we can, we can mince words sometimes and, and get upset with the vocabulary that we use. But what we mean is when we say I receive the forgiveness of Jesus is I believe on God's way of salvation. I believe it. You sent your son to die on the cross for my sins, and, and I believe that's for me, and that is salvation for you. And so you've received the gift that's offered to you through his son. Well, that's just righteous living. That's just smart. That's just, that's just There's a, a benefit that comes from believing God in his word. But he also tells us many other things as to how to live this life, how to walk this walk. Salvation is very important, but there's also a life to live, until we go on to be with him forever in heaven. And so he gives us all those instructions as well. And so that's when we have to believe further, believe all that Jesus taught, all that he spoke, all that's in the scriptures, not just portions of it. Some try to take the John 3.16, receive the forgiveness of sins, but not be changed and continue to live their life in wickedness or unrighteousness. And it doesn't make any sense if he was right about your salvation and that was for your benefit and you saw the benefit, you received that benefit. it, It stands to reason he's right about everything else as well. He isn't wrong about that. And for us to not follow his word would be detrimental to our spiritual health, but also physically as well. We're going to suffer these things and so solomon is just trying to say here's what i see i see a, a wise son makes his his dad happy and he does oh god you know don't have to worry about him i i was not that son you know but i have sons like that thank goodness but i was not that son so in my life i can see this proverb on both sides myself being on the wrong side of a proverb and my son's being on the the right side of a proverb and it's true it does bring Joy. Now, that's a statement. I don't know what you do with that. You, know, you hope the bad son hears that and says, you know what, I, I am bringing grief to my parents. I do want to change. I don't want to be that kind of kid in my parents' life. I want to be different. You know, I want to be a blessing to them. You hope that's the case. Either way, wisdom is righteousness. So when my son is living a righteous life, that's wise, and it makes my father happy. It makes my dad happy. Glad. That's what our Father in Heaven's looking for. That's what our earthly fathers are looking for, and so on. The treasures of wickedness profit nothing. We think they're going to profit. It's, it's interesting to watch the smash-and-grab robberies going on more and more. It's always been, the I mean, it isn't anything new, but it is increasing, I think. I think in, in frequency, you're seeing more people... Uh, take a hammer and smash the glass and steal everything out of that, and and there's a short-term gain because nobody stops them. They run away with the with the jewels or whatever bags they were able to hustle out of the store before someone tried to knock them down or whatever. And so there's a short-term gain, but but it more happens than that monetary gain in that person's heart and in the people's heart around them. First of all, you've got a but if you watch any of this mob rule situations. It's interesting to see the mob go in for the, for the game, but they're not all on the same page. In fact, if you're carrying too much and someone's carrying too little, they're just going to take out of your hands what you got out of the store, and they're going to run to their car with half your stuff. Not your stuff at all, but you get the idea. And so there's this, this chaotic life, you know? I, I ran out of the store with 12 fur coats, but I got home with two, And a black eye and a busted wrist, you know, kind of thing. It's a short-term thought. It just doesn't make any sense. In Mark chapter 8, verses 35 through 37. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, I alluded to the fact that it was a short-term gain that day, but even if they got away with all 10 fur coats and got home and sold all 10 fur coats and bought a Rolex with the money they made, from it makes no difference. It's still a short-term gain. They're going to die and stand before God. And although they had the whatever it is that they wanted in this lifetime, they've lost eternity in the process. It's a short-term gain, long-term loss. So he continues here, the Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish. God looks out for those that are looking to walk a righteous life, but he casts away the desire of the wicked. Solomon notices that in Psalms 37, verses 24 through 26. Though he fail, or though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his right hand. I have been young, and now I'm old. Yes, I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. God wants us to be the prodigal, or not the prodigal, sorry, the, the Samaritan. I get that mixed up like Moses and Noah sometimes. It's, they're not good things to get mixed up. They're complete opposites. He wants us to be Samaritans, you know who sees that person in, uh, in need and, and is the giver. you know, And then the person in need is the receiver, and he, he needs that to take place. He wants that to take place in our lives, and God watches for that. As we go through this proverb, this is one of the few proverbs where God actually talks about wealth, riches, monetary riches as a good thing. You know, we get the idea that the scriptures teach us that wealth or riches are are evil, and, and they're not. They're evil if you're collecting for yourself, they're a blessing if you're a tool in your hands for others. He's looking for that. He doesn't want a pond, he wants a hose. He doesn't want it to pool up into my life and accumulate. He wants it to be a vehicle. He wants you to be and I to be a vehicle by which he can bless others so that that comes full circle because there's more involved than just uh, for the bad guy robbery. Now his heart is, is wicked and he feels guilt and shame and he's, he's paranoid and he's watching out, but also for the righteous person doing what they're supposed to do. It's not about gaining the wealth. It's about the, the, the comfort and the, the freedom that that has to, to be a blessing to other people, to, to, to not be worried or anxious about anything. You can, you can pay your bills, you know, you're living within your means. You're, you're doing it the right way. You're not, extravagant with your lifestyle, you know, to the point where you're always wondering if you're going to make next week or not. There's a blessing to, there's a peacefulness that takes place. And then when you see someone in need, you've got the reserves to be able to bless somebody else and to meet those needs. Like this man, the Samaritan walking along the road, God loves that. And Solomon's saying, that's just wise. That's righteousness. That's righteous living is what that looks like. And God's looking for that. He says Verse 4, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, and the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Although the curse given to man was that the earth was going to produce thorns for us and be hard labor for the rest of our life, he still provides through that hard labor. He still wants us to be hard workers. But a slack person becomes poor. Um, we have a, a a certain segment of society that's a dependent society in our in our culture in our in our country especially, but in others as well. Um, God isn't uh, bound by what we think He's bound by, or bound by the things that we're bound by. It 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 isn't required that somebody who's richer, has to provide for someone who's poor. He doesn't need that transaction to take place. He can just give to the poor, and the poor can rise up out of it. As as they're living a righteous life, as they're doing what they're called to do, as they're devoted to God and they're faithful, he can just raise them up. I think that's important to know. There's, There's more than money at hand here. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. We're called to that. That's not to make people feel bad. Well, it is. I mean, I, that's the wrong way. If you're working hard and you're trying, that that's a blessing and God sees that and, and stay faithful in that. And don't live beyond what he's providing you through that hard work, I think that's the key. Sometimes we have this idea of a level or an expectation of this is where my lifestyle should be and and, and the paycheck doesn't match my expectations, so I need to lower my expectations. And there's a reason for that, that God does that in our lives. Um, I think young married couples, one of two things is going to take place. You're either going to get closer together as you huddle around your SpaghettiOs, Or you're going to grow apart as you go beyond the SpaghettiOs to the filet mignon and and can't afford it. You divide over it. There is is peace and there is a blessing with a salad, it says, you know. then with the plenty and with the bountiful and and not being able to afford those things, you know. Um, God calls us to have that... he provides through our work, but within that provision, if we live within that provision, there's a blessing there. Paul says, I've learned to be a base and I've learned to abound. I, I can do both. If, I, you know, I've got, if I've got extra and God's blessed me above, then I, I have a really great meal. If I don't, I have a really great meal. One time it's oatmeal and the other time it's, you know, not pork, but, you know, steak or something. Either way, I'm content in either of those situations. I'm not concerned. I haven't put myself in a position to where my expectations were met, therefore I'm depressed. And my depression leads to not wanting to work and to become lazy and to sit and watch TV. And I see everybody else's lifestyle better than mine, and that makes me envious. And there's a spiritual thing that takes place beyond the amount of money in our bank accounts. If you have a slack hand, plan on being poor. If you're a diligent person and you work hard, you can become rich not only in finances, but also in your heart, in righteousness. When there's a time to gather, right now we're in harvest, I think the beans are getting done and moved move, move to corn is my assumption. I've done, been here long enough. I'm starting to learn this a little bit, how the how the process works. Um, I know that they can change that up a little bit if they need to, but right now it seems like the beans are because now's the time. It's ready for it. Now, if you're a good farmer, you're out doing what you need to do when you need to do it. And when there's not anything to do, you know, that's your time for a break. You know, this, we go on vacation here. We don't go on vacation in August, September, and October. That's not a great time to leave, you know, for a couple weeks. They can, but. It's not the greatest time. There's better times for that. There's down times, you know. And wisdom shows us when those down times are and when they're not. I, I struggle sometimes with, I, I like to be working, be busy doing something, you know. And sometimes God, will. he just ordains my schedule. You're, you're, you're going to be swamped, and then you're not going to be swamped. And it's hard for me not to want to continue to be swamped because you're used to being swamped. He says, no, this is the downtime I'm giving you. Don't try to find something to do to fill that space. I've given you this space to fill it with family, to hang out. And you don't have to feel guilty about it. This is your time. Even if it is a Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning and you feel like no other man in the world is at home right now, this is the time I've given you and if you don't take it now, 3 o'clock's coming. You don't know it's coming, but there's a call coming at 3 o'clock, and you're going to be busy the rest of the night. So take the break while I give it to you. Letting the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you in those things. Very important. God gives us that. When it's time to harvest, get at it. When it's time to rest, get at it. You know, Ephesians 4.28, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor. Working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Again, it's not about the accumulation. It's about the preparation to be the blessing. You've been the receiver. As a young adult, you've been the receiver. And now that you're getting older, it's time to be the giver. And let other people receive from you. It's a blessing. Verse 6. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. The wise in heart will receive commands, but a pratting fool will fall. He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. That's the kind of fame you don't want. Here he moves on to what we not only what we do, how we work, or whether we work, but how we speak to one another. There's a righteous way to speak to one another. It's important. Um, it's important to share the truth. It's important to share the truth in love. It's important to be considerate, but it's also important to be considerate of God. I, It's a line I have to walk for myself personally, and I have to self-evaluate all the time. I have to check my heart all the time. Um, I, I do want everybody to receive the truth in love, but... And not but, and with that, I want to honor God with boldness, with not being ashamed of the gospel or ashamed of the truth at the same time. And sometimes it can come across to some brash, to others, it's funny. It can come across harsh to some and not harsh enough to others in the same message. Everybody's different, everybody has different tolerances. I have one voice, I have one tone. <laughs> some are are going to be hurt. Some are going to be. Come on, JD, speak up. <laughs> you can't. So you got to do what you do through by faith and pray that somehow the words get translated properly to every heart in a way that they can receive it, in a way that they can accept it. You know, why don't you talk about this more? Ah, oh, I think you talk about that too much. I don't know what to tell you. You know. So I have this. Ticker list at home. No, I don't. But (laughs) I got five yays and and two no's. I guess I did okay today, you know. I get five no's and two yays. Eh, I got to work on my whatever, you know. It's funny. You don't want your mouth to be known as a a violent mouth, as a wicked mouth, as a mouth that's going to be and want to be forgotten, you know. My words are our words, all of our words are very impactful to people's hearts. And uh, you always want to have a positive impact, you know. And and I would consider uh, even a harsh word towards a child or towards, you know, anybody that needs to be corrected as a positive. I don't think that's a negative, you know. Um, Don't misunderstand me. I don't think we should just be all warm and fuzzy. Of course, I don't think you've ever thought that of me, but... uh, Today, my dogs, uh, wonderful dogs, chase the bull just like I want them to. You know, get the bull away while I'm doing this because I he wants to kill me. I don't want him near me. You guys nip him and move him over to the other end of the field. And Duke is faithful to do that, but he gets excited when he does that. So when I walk over to poor Bell, the crippled up horse, he thinks it's her turn sometimes, and so I have to. God, what are you doing? He's looking at me, going what? It's a big four-legged thing. I thought I was supposed to chase all the big four-legged things. You know, No, no, no. Both wanted a positive impact. Yeah, get him. No, no, don't get him. Different words for different situations. Okay? Um, we want to be a blessing. God honors that and, and is looking for that. In Romans uh, 16, he says this, Now I urge you, verse 17, Brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. We're to be looking for those people that, and watch out for those people that cause divisions with the words. They, for whatever reason, think it's very important that everybody knows this or sees this or hears this thing. And as we're going to see here, that's, that's not always what God wants. In verse 10, he who winks with his eye causes trouble but a pratting fool will fall. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. That's the second time he said that hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sin or sins. Wisdom is found in the lips of him who has understanding, but a rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding. This hatred that stirs up strife is what I'm talking about. Love covers all sins. There's a, There's a way to talk to brothers and sisters about faults or problems that you have with them. And it's private. It's privately and it's one-on-one and it's between you and them. It isn't supposed to be a a gathering of team members, you know, a whispering campaign to get others on your team to look at them sideways when they come to church or when you see them next at work or whatever it is. You've been a part of it or, You've been the victim of this, one of the two. All of us have been in these situations, I'm sure. Hatred stirs up strife. That's all we need to know from God's word. That's stirring up the strife that you are trying to create or have been a part of, somebody else creating in your life. Just know that that, where that comes from. It doesn't come from God. Love covers all sins. It's a it's a big thing when you could just overlook the sin without having to make sure that justice was served in your life, you know. It's a big thing to leave it in God's hands in prayer. It's a wonderful thing to be there in that place. It's very freeing for you and for me. When we can let love cover that sin. You don't even have to understand why what was said was said. You just have to pray through it and and pray for and And let God handle it the way he wants to. Leave room for God's gracious, merciful correction or understanding or whatever he has for that situation. In Jude 19, he describes those that are stirring up strife. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. That's God's word saying that. And and I don't know that it means that they they never have the Holy Spirit. It just probably means that they're walking in the flesh. Because I think at any given moment, us spirit-filled Christians can get carnal and can be one of these two people. At least I know I can be. And so God warns me about that. That doesn't come from the Holy Spirit. What you're doing is not coming from the Holy Spirit. It's coming from you. It's coming from fairness that you feel has been lost on your part. and Be careful of that. And so these, these are wise things. When Solomon shares these things with us and with whoever reads this, it's for you to have a a, a purer heart, a lighter heart. I, I don't know if there's anybody in this room that couldn't use a lighter heart. You know, I know I could. I know my heart gets heavy sometimes, and sometimes it's because of the world and the things that are going on in the world. But a lot of the times, it's 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 self induced. It's something that I've placed on myself. It's I've stirred up strife someplace, and I and although i'm being convicted by the holy spirit i haven't i haven't confessed it or i haven't gotten right and so i just carry it because i'm too prideful to change my heart gets heavier and heavier and heavier i think it's good to be quick repenters of these things in titus chapter 3 verses 10 through 11 reject the divisive man after the first and second admonition knowing that such a person is warped and sinning being self-condemned So he gives us the plan for the situation when the strife is being stirred. Even if the strife is being stirred against you and you have every right to stir strife back. He calls us to cover that sin with love. I think that's obviously wise. Verse 14. Wise people store up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. The labor of the righteous leads to life, the wages of the wicked to sin. He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. It's one of the few places, again, where the scripture teaches us that the wealth of a rich man is a strong city. It is a a blessing. There is safety in that and of course, it, you, you can't take that out of context or out of the context of Scripture. God says, "I don't want you to rely on that wealth; that can be removed from you at any time. That isn't your hope. I want your hope in Me." But the 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 riches, the wealth that comes alongside it. I, I've I've been in the place where you get the shut off notice. I've been there as a husband or as a father, and that's a very embarrassing thing. I've been there where it says, uh, "I'm sorry, sir. This is declined." Could you say that louder for me, please? You know, I don't think five people back heard that. You know, you want me to try it again? Yeah, yeah, it must be something wrong with my card. I've been there. There's something about being able to hand the card to them and say, I'm not even going to look down for the approved message because I know it's there. Not, I don't know if it's there. There's a strong tower there. It's not a pride thing. It's a, I'm going to go in and get what I need to get and go. There's a blessing in that. I say that because the world wants us to be on the edge all the time of our finances. And when we're on the edge of our finances all the time that puts us on the edge of our marriage on the edge of our children on the edge of our job on the edge of everything. It's the edge. He says back off the edge, you know. And so he's trying to give us wisdom. There's there's strength there. There's a there's a there's a peace that comes. Destruction of the poor is their poverty. It destroys them. It makes them depressed. It makes them want to seek substances to uh, mask that feeling that they have inside. And that doesn't help the situation of poverty at all for them. It makes things work. worse. It makes them get fired because they showed up on the job under the influence. And now they're fired. And they're, now they're looking for, uh, it just goes on and on. It's a spiral. Verse 18, whoever hides hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. In a multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. I've used that scripture many times. Many times. We have to have a balanced understanding of money. We can't serve it, then it needs to serve us. It's very important. Some of the men in the Bible that we admire the most were some of the wealthiest of all the land, and it was because of their righteousness, not because of their shrewdness. You know, it was because of their righteousness. God blessed them abundantly. Abraham, you think of him. He had a hundred man standing army. It's one thing to have a hundred employees. That's a pretty big company. Good for you. But to have a hundred men that would actually go to war for you, that's a whole nother level. Job was unbelievably wealthy. And it's not about that because there's a bunch of poor people too, like Paul that were able to be content and still live righteously. That's not the gauge of whether you're righteous or not. It's not your wealth. He's just saying, I make one rich and I add no sorrow to it. it isn't, you don't have to feel guilty about that. It's okay. But use it as a tool in other people's lives and in your own lives and your kids' lives. Be a blessing. It makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. Um, in Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold set in silver. The blessing of... Oh, that's the wrong cross-reference. Boy, I'm not doing well today, am I? Where am I going to put that? We'll get to it. Oh, there it is right there, verse 20. I just had the wrong one. The tongue of the the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. There is something we can do with our words. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. People are desperate for some encouragement. All of us are, but all of us have the ability to give that out too. Desperate for it. Affirmation. Um, and it's not that you have to have the pat on the back or that you want the kudos, but they, it is nice, isn't it, when someone recognizes something without you having to remind them, you know? They recognize it and they say something. It's like, wow, thank you. You know, I mean... I didn't expect it. I don't need that. You don't need to say those things to me. I, I understand that. But inside, they're like, just eating it up. You know? Just absolutely thriving off of our words. And to them, it's like a word. The word that you spoke is like an apple of gold set in a setting of silver. It's a, oh, thank you. You know? Um, That's another thing God convicts me of sometimes after teachings. I, I don't want every teaching to be a, Boy, I hope you get it right this week, teaching, you know. And uh, I had an opportunity, and I, I don't know that I took it, so I'll take it now. There was a post that someone posted. And I know you guys get probably tired of posts and memes and probably, you know, why don't you get off social media for once? I can't help it. But it said, it showed a picture of a, of a, of a storm and people at the stadium, a Chiefs stadium, I'll use the Chiefs for an example covered with snow. And he said, if only the church was as dedicated and enthusiastic as those, you know, that go to the sporting events. And I'm like, I've got that church. We've got those people. It doesn't apply. I'm very happy to say that. Sometimes when it's in the winter, I kind of look forward to winter, because I I just like to see everybody's medal. You know, it's, and, and I don't want you to put yourself in danger. Don't get me wrong. that. Oh boy, it's snowing and JD expects me to be there. And I, No, no, no. I'm just saying we show up because that's what we do. If anybody's hungry and they need this spiritual food, we'll have a, a meal ready for them. If nobody comes, that's fine too. We'll go home early. You know, it makes no difference to us, but we're going to be here ready for you. And it's funny to see all you people, a lot of you people who can and are available to do that can get here. And I'm like, these people are crazy, you know? Um, and then and now don't, I have to say this again because I don't want you to think, well, I can't drive in the snow. I don't mean you stay home, watch online. That's why we do that. It's a that's that's a wonderful tool for when it's not safe to get out. But um, but it's like the people that are crazy enough to sit in a snowstorm for a football game. You're the kind of people that would do that. But you'd also do that for church. And so I wanted to give that to you as an, a, 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 I see that. And I recognize that, and I'm so blessed about that, and about you people. It's a it's a wonderful thing. Your your faith is genuine. You love Jesus, and you want to worship. You know, you don't do it for convenience. Some of you travel so far. You definitely don't do it for convenience. And that's wonderful. So, there you go. That's all you're going to get this month. Now I'm going to beat you the rest of the month. But no, it's a blessing. So, verse twenty three. To do evil is like sport for a fool, but a man of understanding has wisdom. The fear of the wicked will come upon him, and the desire of the righteous will be granted. When the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. As vinegar to teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a lazy man to those who send him. I have not only been that lazy man, I have also seen that lazy man. I've been on both sides of this proverb as well. I, it's mainly in those entry-level positions, you know. You can kind of tell when they first start, this guy's not going to make it. <laughs> he's not going to make it. He's already acting the fool. He's already doing things. He, the boss asked him to do one thing, and he's already complaining and telling us how he'd run the company better if he was in charge. It's not going to last. That's this guy. You know? Oh, man, when I first started working... I just knew how to do everything better than everybody that's ever started a business. You know, I did. Why does he do that? That's stupid. Not seeing the big picture, not understanding the whole problem, not understanding, you know, the whole aspect of the of the reason why we do it this way, kind of thing. I've been that person, a person who was smoked to the eyes of my boss, basically. Oh, I've got to send JD, you know, kind of thing. They used to call me Mr. Uh um. Mr. Out of Square, my brother-in-law, who owned Pella Windows up in Omaha, got me a job as a service tech. And as a service tech, my job was to figure out why the window isn't shutting. And no offense, but nine times out of 10, the window was installed out of square. And so it hits at the top. That's just how it is. you know. Now, you're done with the new construction. You've got drywall. The trim is on and everything, and it's all there and they want me to fix it. And so I found myself in that position of, I don't know, and the, the the contractor standing there with the homeowner, and I didn't have enough wherewithal to not say immediately what was wrong in front of everybody. He installed that wrong. It's not a square. That's not what you say in front of everybody, you know. You say, oh, I don't know, let me, we'll work on this. And you wait for the homeowner to walk away, and you tell him, I said, it's a half inch out of square. I don't think I can shave enough wood off to make this fit the hole anymore. A little discretion, you know. So after doing that several times, the salesman who got the call from the contractor because the service tech was an idiot, me, would call me Mr. Out of Square. They're like, please don't send JD to that call because he's going to tell them. I was smoke to everybody's eyes. You know, everybody. Because I thought, well, it needs to be the truth. Well... A little discretion now and then, you know, would have gone a long ways at those moments. Now that's just a, one of the stories of me. Don't be that person. Don't be the lazy. Learn from your mistakes. Figure things out. Grow up. Mature so that you aren't that lazy person, so that your boss doesn't see you as vinegar to teeth and smoke to your eyes, you know? I've also been on the other side of that. But we don't need to hear that story. I was a good employee, too, once in a while. I'll leave it at that. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. Just more warnings, you know. Live a righteous life. Don't live a wicked life. It's going to be short-lived. Um... And you, you, you live a life of anxiety because you're living in wickedness. Your, your soul's not at peace when you're living a wicked life. It isn't. Even if you got away with it, you're not at peace. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not inherit or inhabit the earth. This is the long term he's talking about here. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked, what is perverse. A righteous person knows what's to say in those situations. A wicked person knows, well, they know they know what's going to get them further, you know, temporarily, what the, what the cover up is. And the, the lies catch up with them eventually. So we're going to have communion now as we move into uh, chapter 11. Well, next week we'll do Ezekiel 36, 37, 38 and 39 is the plan anyway. Thanks, right? Paul explains to us this forgiveness of sins through Jesus and what this what this moment that we're having together means, or what it's supposed to mean anyway. The bottom line is as often as we eat and drink these two things, we eat and drink and remind ourselves of the Lord's death and the forgiveness of sins that we have through it. And it says as often, so we could do it every week, every day, every month. We could do it once a year. It's up to you. We do it once a month. That's what our choice was. But if it's not enough, you could do it as often as you want. And just remember the point of it, I think. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, we're reminded by this little piece of bread that he broke the bread that they were eating, the Passover bread. He said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. As often as you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. And the next day, of course, he would be broken on the cross. and Instead of their bodies being broken for their sins, he was going to give his body to be broken for their sins. I just want you to remember that. Now, the reason he wants us to remember that is probably too full, but the most important for him is I just want you to remember how much I love you, that I was willing to die for you on the cross. For you to spend forever with me in heaven was that important that I was willing to make the way, as J.C. prayed earlier. I made the way for you to get there. You couldn't make it yourself. You were broken. You were lost. You were already sentenced. You were condemned already. And I came to bring that condemnation away. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I took that upon myself. And that tells us what kind of person Jesus is. It tells us what kind of God we serve. Is why he wants us to remember that. Not that he's an affirming God necessarily, but a a forgiving God, a merciful God, a God who loves us in spite of our sin while we're enemies. He's for us, not against us. His thoughts towards us are the sand of the sea, and they're precious thoughts towards us. I want you to remember that as often as you need to remember that. Never forget it. On the same night, he took the cup that they were drinking from and. He described that it's now a new covenant, not an old covenant. The covenant of my blood is a new covenant. The old covenant was you keep the law, you get to go to heaven. You break the law, you don't get to go to heaven. Well, that covenant, we lost on that. We signed on the dotted line like he signed on his part of the dotted line, and we failed our part of the contract. We didn't keep the law. So therefore, we were in breach. And so, clause A kicks in. You go to hell. I can't have you in my presence. You're not holy. You're not righteous. Nothing unholy, nothing unrighteous can be in my presence. I told you what I needed and you weren't able to fulfill your part. Jesus says we're not under that contract anymore. That contract's been replaced with a new contract, a new covenant. Where not only does the law need to be fully kept, fully fulfilled, but it will be fulfilled by me because you can't so the law that you weren't able to keep and the contract you weren't able to fulfill I will for you and that is what we're eating and drinking here that remembrance my entrance to heaven is based off of his fulfilling off of his completed work at the cross If the contract has been fulfilled you can't add to it there's no time on it it's done when he said, it's finished, it's finished. It was a completed contract. The end of the, it's, it's done. And I'm a beneficiary of that. And so are you. I'm glad I'm saved. I want to live a life of gratitude and of righteousness. I do want that for me. But regardless of how I do each day, regardless of whether I'm the good proverb or the bad proverb boy, I'm saved because of what Christ did on the cross. And although my gratitude wasn't great maybe yesterday and I need to repent of that and and try to be more grateful today by being obedient to my father, my salvation was never in jeopardy. My salvation was secure because he fulfilled the contract that he died on the cross for my sins. That's what we're remembering today. So it should bring us peace. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, if you've believed God in his word that Christ died on the cross for your sins, you are going to heaven. You're saved. And there's nothing that can separate you from that. And that brings me peace. And, is, and now I'm able to have gratitude. I'm able to, to keep those things, to do those things. I live a life in the spirit now, not a life of the law. I live a life of being obedient to the one who called me and dwells inside of me has filled me, is leading and guiding me into all truth. And now I'm, all I have to do is say yes to his spirit when he leads me and directs me. And so we're thankful this morning. Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. We're grateful. So grateful. I don't, I don't, we probably don't fully even understand the fullness of the salvation that we received, how bad it would have been without you. We're so grateful that we don't have to find that out, that we'll be with you forever, that our relationship is restored with you, that uh, your righteousness was given to us. We thank you that you've changed us from the inside out. You've given us a new heart and a new mind, and we see things differently now. Thank you that we're born again, and we can see the things of the Spirit. We can fellowship with you in spirit and truth. Thank you for so much. Lord, we we do want to be obedient. Help us to just follow your word, to have to be the wise ones in the Proverbs, to be the ones that listen to you this morning and to and to follow you this morning. We don't want to be hearers and only and, and not doers. Help us to now be those people this week. Help us to encourage one another, to build people up, to guard our mouths, to guard our hearts, to work hard to be very careful with what we say and what we don't say. Help us to be right where we need to be with you. Lord, for the cup, Lord, we thank you for it. Thank you for your shed blood. We thank you our blood won't be shed. And you've given us a new covenant, a new promise that we can hold on to, remember, and rely upon, God. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, let's see you. Lord, you've given us a whole proverb, all of 10 today, and there was a lot of different things touched upon. I pray that you bring those to our remembrance throughout this week, that uh, there'd be moments where we could use these things and, and and that we would use these things. So we thank you for that instruction this morning. Thank you for your love for us as a father who wants to impose and share and Give us your wisdom. We want to receive it as good sons and daughters of yours. I pray that we'd have a great week this week, walking with you, reflecting you to those around us, to be your hands and feet, to be a blessing to those that come into our path, God, to remember that we're ambassadors of yours and to always have that as the most important title we carry, that we're your ambassadors. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.